Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. I heard of a pastor recently who was very successful. In fact, very few ministers reach the success that this man obtained. And he got to a point in his Christian walk where it was suffering. And it was suffering very greatly. That he eventually gave in to temptation of the devil. He was driving in his car one night and was riding around in a sketchy part of town and saw some ladies standing on the side of the road. And he drove over and asked one of the ladies to get into his car and found a hotel and there committed adultery with a prostitute. The next morning when, the, when this pastor woke up, he noticed that none of the ladies' clothes were there, none of the ladies' belongings were present. As they began to look around the room, he saw a writing on the mirror. As he approached the mirror, he noticed that it was written with the lady's lipstick. And it said, Welcome to the world of AIDS. Many Christians, pastors themselves, think that they are above sin. But today, as we come to this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded that sin, when it hits, it hits hard. And today is a message that I am not thrilled about preaching to you today, but it's a message that is needed today in modern Christianity. Today I label my thoughts with these words, three words. Abstain from fornication. If you walk away with anything today, I want you to walk away with those three words. Abstain from fornication. My dear fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I submit to you today that we are sitting here by the grace and mercy of God. That if it is not for the grace and mercy of God, we would be like that minister who fell deeply in his walk with the Lord. And now for the rest of his life, he'll have to live with that decision. I believe that the Apostle Paul is writing here to these believers in Thessalonica, and he's reminding them of some of the issues that they dealt with when he was there. Just to bring you up to speed, remember the Apostle Paul, when he's writing this letter, he's writing uh, based upon his second missionary journey. You know the story of the book of Acts, how there were three missionary journeys, and the Apostle Paul went on three of them, and he took a few different people with him on different times. In the second missionary journey, Silas is with them, and at some point, Timothy's with them, and they go to Thessalonica, and they, they start a church. They were there for about 30 days and they eventually started a church in a man named Jason's household and the, the Jewish people who did not receive the message of the gospel uh, caused the city in an uproar and they had to, to send Paul and Silas by night away and, and you know the story and now Paul is writing back after we looked at chapter 3 how Paul sent Timothy back there to encourage them and to, to edify them and to hear of their estate and fare of their walk with the Lord we find that, that in chapter 4 we get to the meat of the message of this letter and remember we're studying this book with a theme of preparing for Christ's return and so here's where the rubber meets the road in our lives today as we read this book of the Bible as we are preparing for Christ's return may God help us to abstain from fornication 
Fornication is simply, it simply means sexual immorality, any type of sexual sin. Today, I want to share with you a statement that's going to summarize the entire content of these eight verses in my sermon. God's will of sanctification requires abstaining from fornication. God's will of sanctification requires abstaining from fornication. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Brother Brian, I am happily married. Or you're saying, Brother Brian, I am happily single. It does not matter whether you are happily married or happily single. You are not above this sin. And only by living in the Spirit of God and meditating in the Word of God and living a lifestyle of holiness will we ever be able to resist the temptation when it arises. The longer you live, the more you'll be tempted. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, Brother Brian, I would never be tempted to do such a thing as that pastor did. Well, you're the one who I'm concerned about. Because none of us, apart from Jesus Christ, is above from committing such a vile deed. Today, I want to ask and answer this question. How can we abstain from fornication or sexual immorality? Today, I want to share with you three thoughts. Thought number one comes from verse four. Abstain from fornication by being committed to your spouse faithfully. Thought number two comes from verse five. Abstain from fornication by maintaining a thought life of purity. And thought number three comes from verses six through eight. Abstain from fornication by not taking advantage of others sexually. Will you come with me as we move through this chapter for this, these eight verses? Verse number one, it says, furthermore. This is a term kind of like wherefore or a term like therefore. So he's saying all of this stuff, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. He's leading up to this moment in time to where he can admonish them. And in this section, it's about sexual sin. And he says, furthermore, then we beseech you. This word beseech, it literally means to beg, to beg with intense, to beg with urgency. And he says, we beseech you. Remember, chapter one talks about how Paul, Silas and Timothy, they are so at some point, all of them had their hand in this letter. So Paul, we believe, is the one who wrote it, but Silas and Timothy assisted in the writing process. And that's why it says we here, and that's why in verse 1 of chapter 1 it lists all three of them. And it says, we beseech you, we beg you with great urgency, brethren. He's writing to believers. He's not writing to non-believers. So he's saying these are brothers and sisters in Christ, people who have bowed their knee, confessed with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord, people who have believed in the death of on the cross by Christ, and how he was placed in a borrowed tomb and he rose again. These are brothers, as I am sharing with you. You're my brothers and sisters. And Paul was writing to his brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. He says, and exhort you. This word exhort is a, another synonym here for beseech. But it just gives the idea that here's a message, and I am admonishing you thus. And he goes on to say, his earnestly beseeching and his exhortation is by the Lord Jesus Christ. My message today is in similar spirit of the Apostle Paul. My message today is not my words, but it's God's word. And at some point in all of our lives in this sermon, we've all been struck by the darts of sin. So today I preach not from 
uh, the standpoint that I, have, that I am sinless. I know, just as you are not sinless, none of us here are without sin. So today I am not casting stones at you or anybody else, but I am declaring the word of God, and I am standing on the word of truth today. The Bible goes on to say, that as ye also received of us how ye ought to walk. So there was a time when Paul was there, maybe a month or so, give or take, and there they were preaching the word of God. They were declaring the word of God that they had about Jesus and about his commandments and how they were to follow his commands and live in obedience thereby. And here the Bible says that we told you how you ought to walk. Now one of my homiletics instructors used to say, Brian, when you're preaching, never say should or ought. Well, going to have to take that up with God because God's word says ought. So just because your professor says something in seminary or Bible college doesn't mean it's necessarily true. But here the Bible says how ye ought to walk. Now, this word walk, it literally means to do what I'm doing right here. To walk. But in the context of this chapter, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about a lifestyle. And it says, we told you how you're supposed to live and conduct your lives. We told you how you are called to please God. Today, my sermon is not here to please you. And by the way, I am not here to please you in any way, shape, or form. So you can bring all your list of grievances and complaints and you can place them in file 13 and we'll put it out there at the, at the road and let the garbage man pick it up tomorrow or whenever he comes. <laughs> Today, I really am not concerned about making you happy or making you unhappy. Today, I'm concerned about declaring the word of God. And I'm going to have to stand before God for not just this sermon, but every sermon that I've ever preached or ever will preach. And I'll have to give an account. And the Bible goes on to say, how you would abound more and more. In other words, living in more and more obedience to God's commands. Look at verse number two. Verse number two says, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. He's reminding them, don't you remember what we said while we were there? The sermons we preached and the lessons we taught. And then verse three. Now here is where we dive in to the message today. And in verses 3 and 4, I wrote down this first thought of how can we abstain from fornication. Thought number one, abstain from fornication by being committed to your spouse faithfully. Abstain from fornication by being committed to your spouse faithfully. Look at verse number 3. It says, for this is the will of God. Now I want to pause right here. I like what B.R. Lakin used to say. He said, it is far better to be in God's will than to be in God's way. <laughs> and my brothers and sisters, I admonish you to get into God's will instead of being in God's way. And he goes on and lists what God's will is. He says, even your sanctification. This word sanctification, it literally means purity. It means living in holiness. And by the way, that is something that's missing in the modern church. It says that ye should abstain from fornication. This word abstain, it means to refrain from. And this word fornication, it means sexual immorality. Any type of sexual sin. In verse 4, it says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. Which leads me to point number one. 
Abstain from fornication by being committed to your spouse faithfully. Whether you're single or married, this applies to you. If you're married right now, I admonish you to be faithful to your spouse. If you're single, I admonish you to be faithful to your future spouse. You know, we live in an age where we say, oh, it'll never happen to me. We always say that. We say that about anything and everything. But today I want to share something with you. I want to read to you some infidelity statistics. In over one-third of marriages, one or both partners admit to cheating. 22% of men say that they've cheated on their significant other. 14% of women admit to cheating on their significant other. 36% of men and women admit to having an affair with a co-worker. 17% of men and women admit to having an affair with a sister-in-law or brother-in-law. Man, we live in a messed up world, I'm telling you. Man, people who have cheated before are 350% more likely to cheat again. Affairs are most likely to occur two years into a marriage. Wow. 35% of men and women admit to cheating while on a business trip. 9% of men admit they have had an affair to get back at a spouse. 14% of women admit they might have an affair to get back at a spouse. 10% of affairs begin online, and 40% of the time, online affairs turn into real-life affairs. This word, vessel, It literally means, when you look at this word, it means like an equipment that you would use to build a sofa or to build a table or a, an equipment that a doctor would use to perform a surgery. But in the context of this verse, in the context of this passage, it literally means your spouse. Husbands, it means your wife. And wives, it means your husband. And the Bible tells us here that we are called to possess our vessels and sanctification, and, and purity, and an honor that is to, to, to make the other person feel valuable. Now, if somebody is sleeping around on their spouse, you know what that means? It means that they are not living a lifestyle of purity, and that they are not honoring and treating their spouse with great value. Now, with that in mind, I want to share this with you. This is something that that has risen in our society today. It's something that's always been dealt with. We've always had. But it is rising in the past couple decades. And one article says, the majority of Americans now believe in cohabitation. When asked if cohabitation is a good idea, 65% said yes, and 35% said no. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that this is, wow, anybody who is millennial and younger has to deal with this, and it's not an issue for any other age groups. No, my dear friends, I've had family members who are over 60 who are living together outside of marriage. And I know what people are saying. They're saying, well, we're sleeping in the separate rooms. Let me just tell you something. If you were to cook pizza 
and have me over. And I was starving. Let's say I was on a fast. Let's say I was going on a one-week fast and I was not gonna, I was gonna abstain from food. And if I walked into your household and I smelled the pizza, this guy is gonna give in. Okay? I'm gonna give in. I'm gonna eat every bite of that pizza. And probably more than what you bargained for. And so please don't tell me it's a good idea to cohabitate and live together and say you're never gonna do anything. Come on. Are you crazy? Was born last, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. And you say, well, where's the Bible for this, Brother Brian? Where's the Bible? I want to see it in black and white in the Word of God. Well, I'm glad you asked because 1 Corinthians, if you think we live in a messed up world now, just read the book of Corinthians because in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you had a, a young man cohabiting with his stepmother. And they were not just there uh, as uh, stepmom and stepson. They were living together and having sexual relations. We live in a messed up world. And if you think it won't happen today, you're wrong. Because listen to this, uh, concerning uh, when somebody was asked if, 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 to religious folks, these are practicing Christians, 47% of practicing Christians said it was a good idea. And those who had no uh, faith whatsoever said 88% it was a good idea to cohabitate. The Bible shares with us that it is not right. And maybe you're here today and you have done that. Or maybe you have committed adultery. Or maybe you have uh, sinned sexually. Well, God loves you and he can forgive you just like any other sin. But he does not want us to live and abide in that sin. Point number one, abstain from fornication by being committed to your spouse faithfully. Husbands, please be faithful to your wives. And wives, please be faithful to your husbands. Our world needs it. They are looking at the church to be an example. In fact, the picture of marriage represents God's love for us, the, the love of Christ to the church. And if the marriages who are called Christians can't work out through their problems or stay faithful to each other, then the world's going to see that, and the testimony of the church is hindered. Look at verse 5. How can we abstain from fornication? Well, secondly, I want to share with you this thought. Abstain from fornication by maintaining a thought life of purity. Abstain from fornication by maintaining a thought life of purity. Look at verse 5. It says, not in the lust of concupiscence. This word concupiscence is just a fancy word for covet or lust. So not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. You ever heard the saying, you are what you think? And it's so true. You know, what enters our mind influences the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we behave. Whether we see it, or whether we hear it. Whether we watch it or whether we listen to it, it influences us. And you know, it is impossible to live in this world and escape inappropriate materials. Whether you go to the mall, you see inappropriately dressed images. Whether you're watching TV and you're, you're watching a good clean show 
and a commercial from some fast food restaurant has some lady or man dressed provocatively so that we will go out and purchase those hamburgers and cheeseburgers. A long time ago, people found out that sex sells. I found out recently that the pornography industry makes billions of dollars every single year. I want to read you some statistics about this as well. This is concerning viewing pornography as right or wrong. One out of two adults say it's wrong. And one out of three teenagers and young adults say it's wrong. So this tells me that 50% of American adults say it's right and okay to view inappropriate material. And then 66% of teenagers and young adults say it's okay to view these things. Today, I know this is a very sobering message. And at some point, we've all been hit. You say, well, I've never committed adultery. You say, I've never had sex outside of marriage. That's great. Congratulations to you. Stay faithful in that. But the Bible says, in fact, Jesus said this. He said, if you even look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Today, we've all been hit by sexual sin at some point, whether it's thought or whether it's word or whether it's deed. And today's message is abstain from fornication by maintaining a thought life of purity. It takes work. It takes work by being committed to your spouse faithfully. And then I want to share with you thirdly and finally from verses 6 through 8. Abstain from fornication by not taking advantage of others' sexually. Abstain from fornication by not taking advantage of others sexually. Look at verse number six. It says that no man go beyond and defraud. Would you say defraud with me on three, one, two, three? Defraud. Say it again, please. Defraud. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. This word defraud, it literally means to take advantage of. And in the context, you know what it's talking about. It's talking about sexual sin. It goes on to say, Because that the Lord is the avenger, that is, he's the one who will bring justice to every situation of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. There's another passage in Corinthians that talks about defrauding. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And it talks about, in context, concerning a husband and a wife. And the only time a husband or wife should refrain from having sexual relations is through a period of fasting and prayer. Now, I do not speak from experience, but I do speak from just observation and the Word of God. I have noticed and seen, seen and observed in our world today that people use sexual relations to benefit their cause. 
So, for example, um, a wife wants to go to this place for vacation. And so if she does not go to that place for vacation, then she is going to abstain from the marriage bed. Or if the man doesn't get to do this in uh, what he wants to do, then he will abstain from the marriage bed. The Bible says how the marriage bed is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. And that is not right to defraud that area of a marriage and defraud your brother or sister, or excuse me, your husband or your wife. Here it says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. In the context of this chapter, we're relating it to sexual relations, confined to marriage. It says, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such all as we also have forewarned you and testified. Check it out now. Look at verse 7. It says, for God has called us not to uncleanness, but to holiness. God's will of sanctification requires abstaining from fornication. Verse number 8. It says, he therefore that despiseth, this word despise, it means to reject. If you reject these verses, if you reject this message, you're not rejecting me. You're not rejecting the Apostle Paul. You're rejecting Jesus Christ and Almighty God and his word. It says, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who has also given unto us his Holy Spirit. I close with this thought. Back in the Old Testament, they used to say Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. We label David as a man after God's own heart. Probably the most spiritual man to ever walk this earth. But may I remind you, greater men and women than you or myself has fallen to sin. And King David, a man who was in great tune and in great step with God, committed adultery with Bathsheba. He sinned greatly. And you know the story, not only did he commit adultery, but he sent Bathsheba's husband out to the front line of battle and had him killed. So the blood was on his hands. So not that he just committed adultery, but he also murdered somebody. And when the prophet confronted him about it, he said, thou art the man, when he shared that illustration with him. And then David went and he wrote a psalm. In fact, in my opinion, I believe it's one of his greatest psalms he wrote. And he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom." Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create 
in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Perhaps we all need to take these words and make them our personal prayer to God. May God help us from this day forward to abstain from fornication. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.